You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White Provisions, or discover them online at BillyReed.com. That's BillyReed, R-E-I-D.com. Welcome to Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mass from MLB.com, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And Greg, we have a familiar face uh, to everybody in Braves country on with us today, uh, Kelsey Wingert from Fox Sports. You all know her and love her from pregame, postgame, sideline. I mean, she does a little bit of everything for, for the telecast, so... Uh, we've been talking with her, wanted to have her on for a little while, and we finally made it work today. And, man, we had a, had a great time talking with her today. Yeah, Kelsey, um, she has done such a great job. And, you know, she talks about just how passionate she is about this team. And, and baseball, she loves baseball. I think that really comes across. You know, we're very fortunate. I don't know. I, I don't get a chance to watch many other teams, but to have her and Paul Bird and our whole Fox broadcasting team, they just do a really, really good job. And, you know, we get into a little bit about just having a conversation and engaging uh, your audience and being able to draw them into what's going on in the game. She does a great job of that. And I know they're going to love the interview. She's very real and, and um, uh, got to find out some good things about her. Yeah, that was. This is exactly what we we set out to do with behind the Braves. Yeah. Just a, having a conversation with a Braves personality that you that you know and love. So uh, well, you know what? Let's just get straight to it. Here she is, Kelsey Winger. Hey, Kelsey, welcome to Behind the Braves in the Alumni Lounge. Thank you, guys. How are you doing today? Nice little setup y'all got here. Yeah, we like it. <laughs> they still let us in here. We've been doing this almost a year now, and they still let us do they, in but here. But so. do they still know y'all are coming in here? Sometimes well. they don't, no. Yeah. <laughs> I showed up here one day, and they were filming a TV show in here. <laughs> like, uh, what was I, it? Uh, I'm not sure if it's come out yet. So I'm not sure if I no. Can say. It was the one on um, that they had been doing uh, for a while. I'll say it. it's, it's Brockmire. Brockmire. Yeah, yeah. they're filming Brockmire. Yeah. In here. And I just show up, right. and this was the green room, and I, we were getting ready to tape a podcast. Just Greg and I doing our thing, and I show up, and Greg wasn't here, but Hank Azaria's chair and all the other actors' chairs were in here, and I was like, "Where's our chair?" Where's mine? <laughs> and then a production guy came up to me, looking like, "Are you?" I think he thought I was here to bring food or something. I'm like, no, just, yeah, I'm supposed to take Coffee a podcast, runner. but yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, we're we're. Um, I, I will say that when we started thinking about the stadium, my boss at the time was Mike Plant, mm-hmm. and um, I reported directly to him. And so when he announced that we were going to be building the stadium. Um, I sent him a little note and I said, hey, let me know when I can put in my request. And he goes, well, you're 789. <laughs> and I, so I, I said, okay, I'll see where I stand. And so then about a month and a half goes by and he goes, where are your requests? He goes, you're about get to miss out. I thought, oh, I thought you were kidding. I said, so I want turf. I want a suite. I want, you know, all the stuff. He said, turf. I said, yeah, so we don't have to worry about who's on the field or not, right? Because Ed won't ever let us on the field to do anything. Yeah. So, um, but I did want a suite for the alumni. Mm-hmm. because I thought it would be a great rallying point. Well, we cut down the number of suites in half. 
Were you at Turner Field at yeah, all? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, we went from like 60 down wow, to now 30. I didn't realize yeah. That. So the the suite model really changed, and so that's why we ended up with a lounge. Yeah. And so you know, some of the guys, we'll, if we have some meetings or guys want to come hang out, I'll bring some food in and drinks, and and we did, like I said, we did have a uh, um, not a foosball, we had a pool, pool table. table. Yeah. Where was the pool table? It was right here. Oh. Yeah, it was great until one, and I had baseballs all up on the up on the wall signed. And I came here one day, and there was there was like a um, ten people shooting pool, and they all had baseballs stacked up on their chairs. And I went, "Hey, those aren't your baseballs!" Like, "Oh, oh we just thought they were for for anybody who wanted them." And I, I no, not really. <laughs> so I said, "Can y'all please leave?" <laughs> yeah. So I said, "Okay, well, this might not be what I think it's going to be." <laughs> so, but now we got it is where we do our podcast every yeah. week. They're so taking like the paintings, oh, yeah, TV, yeah. So like, it's yeah. all up for grabs, right? If it's in the alumni right. lounge, it's free as for me, <laughs> right? Yeah. If, we, if Greg and I leave stuff in here, nobody wants to take it. So <laughs> it works out. Yeah, it works. Tennessee out. cups and Virginia. Hey, hey, we're Virginia, national champions. Virginia, Virginia football. My friend, Virginia, Virginia football rank, jerseys. We're ranked 18th right now, at least at least till this weekend. Yeah, we play okay. this weekend. So well, we'll LSU's off this week. Yeah. Well, hey, I will say, Coach O. Coach O, I love Coach O. We coming. I'd follow that man. I'd, I'd run through a wall for him. That's not even my team. That's I just, how I feel about Les Miles. Yeah. I, I'd, go to, I'd go to war for Les Miles. I Where love did Les end up? He's at Kansas. They're 2-2 two oh, two right okay. now. This is when I saw him take the field again. I bawled when I saw him. Really? Yeah. Well, well, whenever he was supposed to get fired by LSU, mm-hmm. I was at the game. We were playing Texas A&M, and it was everybody. You know, the we all knew that he was going to get fired that mm. night. So it was signs saying "We love you, Les," and he got <laughs> carried off the field. And I cried when he took the field. I cried when he left the field. And then I remember my dad calling me, walking to my car, and he was like, "They're keeping him." They're, they're keeping Les. Joe Olivar, AD at the time, just came on the the press conference and said that. They're keeping him, and then I cried again, and then I cried when he ran out on the field. So you don't feel that way about Coach O? I was just I covered LSU while Les was there, and Les Miles was like Brian Snicker, where Mm. he's so close with the media. You know, like Snit. I'm close with his wife. I'm close with his grandkids. Um, I was close with Les Miles' wife with his kids. So he just has that. He wants to be your friend too. You know. So I never had that with Coach O because once he was there, I I had left. I was here. So. So how why was it LSU? I know you grew up in Texas. Yeah. So did you have family that had gone to no, LSU? I had Just, no connections to really? LSU at all. I um, applied to like ten big schools I knew. So how I got into to baseball, um, I played volleyball all the way through high school. But the second semester of my senior year is club volleyball. Your first semester, mm-hmm. you were playing for your school, mm-hmm. and I had to decide. Okay for my career, for what I want to do, a big school with big sports programs is probably where I would get the most experience, but I'm not good enough at volleyball to play at those schools. So do I want to kind of give up on volleyball and pursue, start with my career path, or do I want to continue with volleyball and go to like a D2 or D3? And I ultimately decided that I wanted to, you know, start working on my career. So I, you know, had visits lined up to OU, Ole Miss, LSU, A&M, Bama, um, big programs like that. UNT, which I don't know how that, they just have a really good broadcast school North there. Texas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't have the big programs. So, so you knew early on that you oh, wanted yeah. to be in broadcast. Since like middle school. Really? Elementary okay. school, I wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, and then for some reason it changed to sports in middle school. Mm-hmm. But so when I chose to go to a big school that second semester I didn't know what to do with myself because that was my first semester not being a part of a team and having practices and games so I became the manager for our baseball team which you know obviously manager isn't Brian Snitker your manager is I'm keeping book (laughs) Um, was at every practice every tournament every game so that's when I fell in love with baseball and then I just went on all the school visits Mm -hmm. and loved LSU but I I kind of have that personality where I could have been happy anywhere you mm-hmm. know I just I would have embraced wherever I was so I canceled the trips to OU Bama and Ole Miss because I was like I'm gonna love all of those three too and if I am happy with LSU then yeah. I just don't want to complicate was Skip it. Burtman still the no pulmonary okay because when I played we you know that's who we battled out Joey Bell so and, great. and all those guys down there he's a legend <clears throat> down there mm-hmm yeah, they that was the first really AAA ballpark that I actually played in, but it happened to be LSU Stadium. You know, it's an old AAA ballpark. I didn't know that. It was, yeah. And they had um, 
uh, they had some really good teams back yeah. when I played, and you know, in the SEC. Because coming off Mississippi State, you had Palmero and Thigpen, mm-hmm. and gosh, their facilities now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever. Well, if you're not, if you don't have great facilities like that in the SEC, yeah. then you're, you know, Arkansas's got a brand new. Tennessee's renovated. Um, Florida. I mean, they all have really nice. I mean, it's just you know, it's like football. Yeah. The baseballs it doesn't make as much money, but they still all have really nice facilities. Well, yeah, and they're also the SEC baseball is just on a different mm-hmm. on a different level yeah yeah they've done really well so um how have you enjoyed making the transition from you know being an athlete right you were mm-hmm. thinking about it but but you're still being able to be involved in it and yeah. especially with where you are now obviously we're we're fast forwarding a little bit but all the all the things that you did in college to kind of lay the groundwork because you did a lot of local tv yeah. you did work with lsu did stuff with them yeah right and that's how you that's how you do it in this industry you know I have a lot of girls who who come to me that want to be sideline reporters mm. and they ask how I got here and I started in market 179 where you just went to school for four years you're making less than thirty thousand dollars your parents are still paying your rent mm. you know it's it's tough after you've graduated and you feel like okay here's the <laughs> real world so when I tell girls who come to me for advice to that they need to start out on local TV because that's where you can learn, that's where you can make mistakes, um, that's where you just understand how television works. You learn how to operate a camera, you learn how to edit, you learn how to shoot, you learn how to write shot sheets, uh, write scripts, anchor, report. And when they'll tell me they don't want to go to a small market or do local TV, then I say, I don't want to help you then. Because that's that's like a baseball player getting drafted out of high school and being like, I want to go straight to the show. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't right. want to go to the rookie league. I don't want to <laughs> go. I don't want to play in the minor leagues. I just want to go straight to Atlanta and bat in the three hole at SunTrust Park, and it's just not. And that's how I view it. So when girls are like, eh, I'm like, yeah, well, well you, then you don't get it. You that's know, right. that's but, right. But um, got to pay your dues, right? No matter what you do, yeah. that's what's going to make you. You're gonna. What do they call? Uh, cut your teeth on. Mm-hmm. And if somebody gave you that that incredible shot, let's say like the straight out of high school, you're gonna fail and you're gonna flame out anyway. So it's yeah. like you can't get there without going through that that experience. I mean, that was part of my getting to work in baseball, involved local TV and local sports radio. Where I, on that radio show, if we had three people listening, we were probably lucky. But mm-hmm. I mean, but that was that was a way in. That was a way to start and to learn how to just operate stuff yeah. and talk and and, and you learned uh, and yeah. you know when when that red light comes you know that feeling when that red light comes on and you're on air and you're live and it's go time regardless of how many people are listening you know and i that's what i always said with tiger tv in college which was lsu student television station and um with all of my internships and being at kalb the the local station just knowing just having that feeling and knowing what to expect when that red light comes on and and just getting used to that but yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't hide it very well. As journalists, we're supposed to be, um, you know, not a fan of the team, and I'm biased, and I'm not a very good. Jo- I think it's parent. Well, I love the yeah. Atlanta Braves. Well, that doesn't apply. Or I'm wearing a Braves yeah. hat and a Braves shirt. I don't know what's You're not on NBC Nightly News. I mean, you, yeah. you can be the fan, yeah. right? You can be the homer. I think it's one of the good things, especially about baseball and each team having its own broadcast team. Is I think it's perfectly. I think the guys in the booth for me putting my Braves fan hat on because I grew up a Braves fan too I wanted when I was a kid I wanted Skip and Pete and Ernie to be Braves fans but I wanted to be honest and Mm -hmm. say what they think and if they Skip was very honest and Skip was very honest (laughs) but you could tell he wanted the Braves to win sure I feel the same way about what you guys do now and what the radio guys do I as a fan I want my broadcasters of my baseball team to mm-hmm. be be fans of the team. You can be honest and be a fan. I yeah. think. I don't think. I don't think there's. I think that's the way it should be. Well, being a part of the TBS, you know, era, it was sad when TBS came back on and they were doing just, you know, just they were neutral, you know, or yeah. they mm-hmm. they just did the. I just don't like that. I, yeah. I, I like to have. I want to listen to my guys. That's why people. You know, I grew up in Tennessee. And John Ward was a famous announcer. And, you know, we turned the TV off because we wanted to hear him on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, w- I would want to listen to, you know, to Skip and Pete and Joe and Don and whoever was doing the radio. You know, they would switch halfway through the game. Right. You know, I always wanted just to listen to the radio yeah. and not listen to the TV guys because I just there's something about it, you know, growing up in that, that kind of era. And, and even today, I, I feel like I, I love listening to it on the radio driving mm-hmm. home. I don't always stay 
secret in the game, but I'm certainly going to listen to oh, it on yeah. the radio. There's just something about that. I think there's the imagination and, and the way they can describe what's going yeah. on. And, of course, I love what you and Paul do. You all do a great job. And, and um, I bring so bring so much value. You know, you know, Paul and I go way back. We got mm-hmm. traded for one another. Um, we He was a little bit we, – we both were Indians in the minor leagues. We both okay. got drafted by the Indians. Um, but – but just seeing him transition and seeing what you guys do and how hard it is, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you, is the there is a player grind, right? Mm-hmm. There's 162, there's spring training, there's postseason, which you know we all live through that. But you're you're experiencing part of that because um, you're right there with them. Yeah. And I'm just curious how you're holding up. Number one, because <laughs> you look great. I mean, you, you're always, you know, very positive and, and, but I know you got a tough, tough job. I mean, you're, yeah. you're always on, you're here early, you're here late. And so how, how are you handling that? Um, so my, what I normally tell people is when I reach about game 100, <laughs> okay, you can tap me on the shoulder. You don't know if I'm going to start crying or fall asleep or fall asleep crying on the spot. But one of those three <laughs> is going to happen because you just reach this level mm-hmm. of exhaustion. And that's when you have to love baseball and you have to love working in sports and you have to be okay with missing weddings, funerals, um, graduations, birthdays. You, you don't get to go home yet. And, but that doesn't, the people who are in your life who get it, get it. You know, I mean, like my parents and my best friend Rocky have been three people who they've just always understood that when it's baseball season, that's my priority, you know. But I think there's there's two levels of toughness to this job. The, the first one, which I'm struggling with right now, is um, there's just so much pressure. And if you, if you make a mistake on air, um, you know you messed up. Your bosses know you messed up, and then tens and thousands of mm-hmm. other people know you messed up. Whereas if you have a normal nine to five job, you make a mistake, you're sitting in your cubicle, it's not broadcasted out to the public. So I think you have so much more pressure on yourself to not mess up, and that can get exhausting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, yeah, the hours. I mean, my work day, because I have to get ready for TV every day, and, um, you know, I don't get to work out at the ballpark like the players. So I wake up pretty late because we're here until past midnight I told you guys last night I didn't Mm -hmm. get home until 1 a.m wake up at 10 you go to the gym by the time you're done with the gym you have to start getting ready and come to the the ballpark and then you're here until the postgame show ends um and I work about 135 to 140 games so the players I don't know how they do it I I tell them that all the time because I get 20 off days a season worked in with the off days that are already in the baseball schedule. I'm, I don't know how they have spring training. I don't do that. I don't know how they do it. I mean, it's, it's so exhausting, but if you have that love for it, hmm. then that exceeds the exhaustion. You know, you're excited, mm-hmm. especially when the team's this good right. yeah. and this exciting and can <clears throat> literally win a world series this year. I mean, that trumps all of the exhaustion and pressure because mm-hmm. you just want to get here and mm-hmm. right. watch Ozzy Albies fly around mm-hmm. with a triple in the first right. inning. Well, know? they're getting a little bit of a break right now, but and and I've said this just because I lived it that when you go into the postseason, you literally live on adrenaline for a month, mm-hmm. and it's not till it's over. When we won the World Series in '95, I remember my wife and I. I laid in bed for a week, mm-hmm. just just exhausted. I got the flu. I was just your body shuts down, but you don't realize the what you're yeah. living off of because there's nothing else to live off of. Yeah. I mean, you, it's just pure adrenaline, and yeah, the weather changes a little bit, which helps, but just the intensity of every pitch. The um, the travel, the family, everything that's going on, mm-hmm. you just there's nothing else. You you can't. There's only way you can describe it is that it's just adrenaline, and then after a point, it just you know you collapse. And, yeah. Um, but uh, it isn't. That's why it's a young man's game, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't see any fifty year olds out there playing, right? I mean, Necro pissed as long as anybody. You know, he pissed till forty eight or something. Met <laughs> him in the dugout the other day for the first time, and I was like, you're yeah. the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. You 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 use the key phrase. It's the same one I always use with people when they ask me about working in baseball. I'm like, number one, above all else, you better love it. Yeah. And you better actually love baseball, or you better be willing, if you're fresh out of school and you get some job like in baseball, 
protocol to break into sports in general, you better at least learn to love it for the yeah. time that you're working that. Because if you don't, you won't make it. I mean, this is my fifth season and I work mostly in the social media side of things. Mm-hmm. And so when I started in 15, we were starting the rebuild and the 15, 16 teams weren't, weren't very good. I mean, the record shows that. And I would get tired and I didn't, didn't miss a game those two seasons, but even late, it'd be late August. And even if I was tired and really needed a break, there was still that part of me at about one o'clock, two o'clock when it's time to go to the ballpark that I was still excited to go to the mm-hmm. ballpark and I still wanted to be there and I still yeah. wanted to be around the game. And that's for anybody listening that wants to work in baseball, just as long as you love it, you'll be yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to circle back a little bit because we were talking about how we, we loved Skip and Pete and those guys. Who were some of your broadcasting, like when you first got interested in it, who were some of your broadcasting idols that you kind of looked at? Because I would think, for me as a kid, I remember like the regional local people, like on the local TV station that I still revere to this day, mm-hmm. but then also like the national sports guys that, that are broadcasters that I love. So who were some of your heroes along the way? It was more so my men. Tours. I had some incredible people in Louisiana who just believed in me from the get-go. Um, Tim Brando is a big mentor of mine. He's mm-hmm. been, I mean, that man, he has believed in me more than I've believed in myself. And there's um, Steve Schneider, who was the sports director at the station I interned at for three semesters in college, who, I mean, just the same. I mean, he, he made me believe in myself more than I knew that I could. And then before I started with Fox, so I told you I was working in local TV, I had a second job working sideline reporter for a network. And a man named Lynn Rollins was the chip carry there. He was the play-by-play guy. So he was, you have to be patient with someone who's 20 years old and sidelining the game. And when they're holding the microphone, you know, their hand is, you know, (laughs) shake. And so, I mean, people like that um, who showed me how to treat people, and how to treat people who maybe didn't deserve to be treated as well as they were, you know, because I was so young and maybe, even when I got this job, I was so young and I'll be the first to say, um, that for a lack of a better term, I was undeserving of it. Uh, they needed they needed someone. And um, I had to prove myself, you know, and, um, and that first year was trial and error. You know, I had, I hadn't watched MLB. I loved baseball, but living in Louisiana, we don't have it. We have the the AAA affiliate, the Zephyrs. Um, is that still what they're called? No, they're yeah. the baby kids now. Well, they used now. to be, yeah. Um, so, but we didn't we didn't get Astros games on our televisions there. That was the closest team. So that first year, I had to learn pronunciations of players' names. All I had to upgrade my TV package to get MLB <laughs> Network, and still to this day, out of habit, if I'm getting ready or falling asleep at night, it's MLB Network that's on, watching Quick Pitch or watching any of the shows in the morning, the MLB Central or any of those, just to get familiar with the names around the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even know what the they question keep changing. was. But yeah. <laughs> well, your mentors, I mean, just yeah. people that you looked up to in the in the broadcast industry. Yeah. And then for sideline reporters, Kaylee Hartung, um, yeah. I always just loved her presence on air because she was very conversational. Um, and that's so, so big just to be conversational, mm-hmm. not have people feel like you're, t- you're talking, you want a conversation with them, you know? Right. Well, that, that's an interesting point. Cause I, I, I'd look, there's Booger McFarlane right now. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's the one thing that bothers me. Everything's a statement. Really? I mean, I don't know if you listen to him, but I mean, it's kind of like, so there's some guys if that... he's not on MLB Network, I don't think. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> you know, we talk about football on this on this uh, podcast sometimes. I mean, I'm a Redskins <laughs> fan, so I watched some of that game yeah. the other night, but finally I'm just like, I, I just <laughs> muted it and was just every now and then checking in to see how bad they were getting beaten, so I didn't really, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't analyzing the broadcast. But I, I think that's, that's something <laughs> I really appreciate about you guys is that when I listen, I feel like I'm a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm just not hearing, you know, there's some people that you listen to and they're just throwing out facts and they're yeah. throwing out statements and I need to point out you know Booger but you know there's other guys that do it yeah. you know and uh, that's what I love about Smolty you know yeah. and, and of course you know I have a personal relationship with him and Paul and you and and just guys that it just seems like there's just conversations going on yeah. and I want to be a part of that and I can follow that and I just it's just better TV well you're going to pay attention more if just by the tone of somebody's voice mm-hmm. you know it's going to bring you in but I just feel like our job as you guys know these guys are people before they're athletes mm-hmm. but the fan base knows them as Freddie Freeman Nick Mar- as the Braves right. you know so I feel like my job is to 
show the human side of those guys. Um, there was a report I did a couple years ago on Adam Duvall, or last year, well, he has um, diabetes mm-hmm. and he has the insulin pack that he keeps in his back pocket every game and has it streaming up, you know, through yeah. his through his jersey, like stuff like that. Mike Stroka had childhood epilepsy, had the hosted the group of kids out here um, and their families because he couldn't make it to their meeting because he had games. I mean, stuff like that. I feel like you've really put into perspective. Hey, Mike Soroka's up for rookie of the year has the 260 ERA but look what he dealt with growing up and look at the impact that he's still making on people outside of the baseball world and bringing them into the baseball world um stuff like that I just feel like is really cool mm-hmm. I saw a picture of you the other day where you had had your black eye where you'd gotten <laughs> hit <laughs> and you know we had some close calls here and people getting hit here recently and I was thinking how how scary was that? And obviously you could relate. Who was it the other day that just got hit? Uh, Culberson. Yeah, Culberson. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about that. I'm watching yeah. him, and I'm watching that at bat and how he missed the ball. I saw him the other day. I went up and gave him a big hug. I said, dude, you scared me to death. Yep. But, man, I mean, that. but, you know, as a pitcher, you're taught to throw the ball at the guy when he turns around and squares the bunt. Yeah. I mean, that's the way we were taught because they have to make a decision. I'm either going to get out of the way. Or am I going to try to bunt this? I'm not going to do a very good job. And yeah. It's usually going to go back to the pitcher. And he, you know, he stayed right in there. So you had to cringe a little bit knowing that you'd gone through yeah. getting hit. And um, and where you are is not a really a safe place anyway, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, ne- extended netting, protected camera wells is something that I, w- I mm-hmm. will die on that hill. Um, that I mean, get, getting hit was... I've had a great life. Okay. Getting hit was the most traumatizing thing that I've ever, I've ever experienced. Um, because I just, I just remember laying there and I was so embarrassed because you don't want that attention on Mm -hmm. you, you know, and all the fans. And when the players were running off the field, they were all leaning over the, the railing, trying to see, you know, if I was, what was going on. And I just remember the EMT, I remember trying not to cry because I knew that there were probably people were, there's a lot of seats mm-hmm. right by the camera well I didn't I just knew people were probably taking videos or mm-hmm. pictures so I just was like I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna cry and I remember sitting there and I was in such shock I, I didn't really know what had happened I don't remember any pain because I was it, it happened so mm-hmm. quickly and then you're trying to figure out what's going on what and I just remember le- sitting there I slid down the wall and the EMT saying open your eye open your eyes and I wouldn't because I didn't know what was Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was going to be blind. I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I didn't know if it's, I, I didn't know anything. Um, and it was, it was just horrifying. And then um, I remember her saying, okay, we're going to take you up through the stands and get you to first aid. And I said, there is nothing that you can say right now that's going to make me walk up through those stands. I'm I, it, The second somebody asked, are you okay? I'm going to I don't know if I'm bleeding. I don't know Mm -hmm. what I look like. Like, I don't want those pictures circulating. Mm -hmm. So they ended up taking me because you can't go in the dugout during the games. It's like MLB Mm -hmm. rules. So they they took me out in front of the dugout. Luckily, my parents were in town, but they weren't at the game. They were supposed to leave the next morning, obviously extended this day. Um, And I remember walking into the, you know, the executive suite down here where Schiller Mm -hmm. and Plan are. And Mm -hmm. the second I, I'll, I'll never forget the first person I saw was Derek Schiller. And the second I saw a familiar face, I just, and I was in private, I just completely. Mm. And um, my good friend, Anthony Flora, who works for the Braves, was there and we've been best friends for years. Um, So he got a lot of text messages about Mm. something had happened. So he was already on his way down to the camera well to help me. He drove my car back to my parents' house and then we drove to the hospital and I was at the hospital all night and... um, they couldn't determine a lot of stuff because the swelling, kind of like what Charlie, they couldn't mm-hmm. figure out all the orbital issues um, until the swelling went down. And it's a, I, I lost feeling in my face for about six months in this area. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they didn't know if it was going to be permanent or they, they just said, you find out if it comes back or not. There's no time. Did it ricochet first? I, I think it... it Hit the rail? I, no, I think it came, I think it was a one one bounce. Oh, off the and dirt, then right skipped into me. off? Yeah. Oh, wow. But the eye doctor told me I was wearing my glasses, and he said the glasses completely saved me. He said... Really? The glasses are what actually caused the fracture. It was mm. the, the, 
I mean, but had I not had them on, the if you see my, I still have the glasses and the lens with the smudge on them. It was going directly for the center of my eye. Mm. And he said, you would have been completely blind in that eye or lost the, the eyeball oh if you didn't have the glasses on. So then about two months later, it happened to another photographer in our camera well, to Scott. And um, after it happened to me, the team doctors here, I had really struggled being in the camera well. Um, it, I had to, and you can't, you can't watch every pitch. You're taking notes, mm-hmm. you're tweeting out updates, you're catching up, you know, I mean, it's, it, the people who said you should have been watching, I'm like, you don't realize what <laughs> I'm, you know, I mean. You're working. Yeah, yeah like there's, exactly. yeah. So, <clears throat> so they had diagnosed me with PTSD from it and had put me on an anxiety medicine to allow me to work in the camera well down here. And so when it happened to Scott, I hadn't taken it that day. Hmm. And I just remember, I think it was Gretchen producing, one of our producers, and I just remember telling her, I got to go. And I, I was so shaken up because his was bloody and there was blood on the ground mm-hmm. and blood, and it was, you know, so I, I was in that shaking. I couldn't control mm-hmm. myself. So I had to leave the game for like 50 minutes and just collect myself. And then mm-hmm. I guess it happened like a month ago again in our camera well when I wasn't there. So it's, yeah, this, this is a hill I will die on. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Well, they were putting the netting. I don't know if you saw, but they were just putting the netting is up. Is the camera I guess, well the, protected? Well, I, I, I think know. it covers, you know, where the dugout, but I'm not sure. I think it goes behind the dugout and then it goes. Yeah, I've so. been told that it's not, yeah, not that yet. the camera well's not Mm-mm. protected, which I'm, yeah. um, you know, I wish it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that's a, that's a hot, uh, the hot corner. Yeah. I mean, talk about third base being a hot corner, but there's so many balls that get jerked down. It's in like that. when I get the tweets from fans and they're like, it's going to ruin the fan experience. I'm like, listen, tweet this to somebody who wasn't hit in the face and hospitalized. Like, right. yeah. ar- make that argument with somebody else. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> and it's like, I, I mean, I work in, in the press box and my view, I mean, there's the large net is right in front of my view and I literally don't even think they even realize it's there mm-hmm. you forget you don't know that it's there and that's and and the one now the netting is in once people get here and they see it they'll they'll yeah. see like you, yeah. you forget it's not you know it's well not remember i played when there was no netting above the dugout right and when that went up people complain mm-hmm. but you don't hear anything about yeah. that now now it's old news. yeah so but the, you're talking about some balls screaming over the dugout and skipping off that i'm sure it's so yeah scary. i don't know how yeah it wasn't more people injured for that, but okay. Well, I'm going to go complete opposite thing here. All right, so we've talked about that. What is your since you this is your fourth season? Uh-huh. Right? Okay, so what is is there one moment that sticks out as your favorite on the job Last with, with year, Fox? Clinching, clinching, yeah. Running out onto the field, seeing Brian Snicker, seeing Freddie Freeman, seeing Julio Tehran, seeing Ender Enciarte, seeing those guys who had been through really tough seasons, mm. and I, mean, I just just snit. I mean, I just I remember interviewing him after the clinch and him just getting emotional mm-hmm. and and you just did sit it again back. this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you just sit back. I feel like it took until this year for the fan base to realize what Brian Snicker means to this team. I think before they heard it so much from the media and we told them, hey, the team loves this mm-hmm. man. I think this year they they understood it fully, and now I think they're all in on him, which g- gives me the chills just thinking about because he is. He's so great to everyone. Mm-hmm. His family's so great. Uh, he's such a brave, you know. And but and then the walk off with Brian McCann this year was really special. His first <laughs> right. walk off back as a brave. Um, and then my first day, I remember um, it was the day before opening day. So when I got this job, it was a week and a half before opening day when I had my phone interview. So in a week and a half, I went from not even looking for a job to being at Turner Field. Mm. And I remember that the day before opening day going there for the set day when all the TV crews are setting up and I walked out the gate into right field and I remember just standing there and and looking at the stadium probably the, you know one of the first times I'd been in an MLB I've probably been to an Astros game sometime in college but I was never around one. I just remember looking up and being like this is my office. <laughs> this is where I'm going to work every day and just having that moment um, so those those three have probably been my top hmm. top three moments. That's interesting. You ask when, for one, you get three. That's great. That's great. We did. That's that's Greg and I did our top five Braves moments just us personally uh-huh. uh, a few months ago here on Behind the Braves, and I'm a lifelong Braves fan, so I had. I mean, there's a lot of great memories from a kid as a kid watching in the '90s and all that kind of stuff. But but my number one was the, the division last year because there's a different perspective working in it, and then you're around people every day, both the guys on the field and people like Snit, especially you're you're happy for because you know what 
kind of person he is and what kind of family he has. Uh, but then working with people in the front office here who fans don't get to see and how hard they work every day. And we all work in this for moments like that. And yeah. to, to see it come together. And I'll tell you another one I'm going to add. The, the clinch this year wasn't so much the clinch itself, but the interview with Snit off the field where he was pumping his fist into a stadium full how of people cool. was just the coolest visual ever. the interview was on the in the stadium. Yeah. I didn't even know yeah, until yeah, yeah. I, we hear everybody cheering. So we figured it's like Acuna on the Jumbotron holding up 2019. Teen sign. So when he turns around to check and see, and that's when I turn too, because I'm like, what are they cheering? Mm -hmm. And when he turns around and sees himself, and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and realizes that the stadium is going crazy for Mm -hmm. him. I'm about to get emotional just like think, just thinking about that feeling that he got, having no idea that it was for him, and then turning around and being like, like literally, I'm about to cry. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh, and then for him to just have that moment and it was that similar to the Brian McCann interview that I referenced that was um you know when I was doing that interview in my mind I was like okay he's celebrated with his team he he was out on the field and they did that whole celebration he has no idea how crazy these fans are going for him Mm -hmm. right now and I wanted to make sure that he had that that moment Mm -hmm. where he could they were going bonkers because it was Brian McCann you know I mean sure and and that's when I've been following him for 10 10 plus years you know when he was with the Braves yeah and just when I stepped back and he just looked at the crowd I mean just moments like that I still have I keep book of every game and I still have the you know my it's in my little notebook and I Mm want to get McCann to to sign it that day's that day's page and get it Mm. framed or something to to hang up but yeah. yeah when snit had that realization that it was him on the jumbotron i was like oh my god <laughs> it was it was I'm awesome not emotionally yeah. stable enough for this. <laughs> all right so when it's all said and done you know after we win the world series season's over with what's the first thing you're gonna do sleep just sleep right <laughs> but no vacation this, well this off season i'm i'm really excited that uh, fox put me on their acc college football so nice. actually the week I end Braves. I'll go straight into college football. Oh, wow. And then I do, I'm do. i doing NBA this season as well for the Hornets. So it's really? there's no offseason this year. But wow. um, the Hornets, it's nice because it's only like 25 games. So it's not going to be like a crazy amount of work. I'm still going to have stretches where I have nine days mm-hmm. off in a row. Um, we're freelancers, so yeah. we, we like to get... Well, you're, you're, <laughs> right. you're following your mentor's uh, footsteps, mm-hmm. Tim Brando. I mean, it's all about being versatile, you That's know, right. yeah. with That's different right. sports. Mm-hmm. But when you were talking about baseball earlier, about how you have to love it, you also have to know it. Because yeah. you can't you can't fake it like you no. can maybe in other sports. There's 162 games. So if you don't know it... Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, that's that's what's tough about baseball is you have to learn it. You can't fake it until you make it. People and people, especially in the social media world, I mean, that's my world I work in. That's the, not only will they see it, they're going to call you out on it in a second. <laughs> and you're in front of, yeah, so you you got to love it. And you absolutely have to know, the, know and love the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I've never experienced that where I've had to actually learn something new to be, pat- I mean, because I think that when you're a doing what you're doing, your passion comes through. Mm-hmm. So, are you going to be as passionate about basketball and, and as passionate about? I, I love what I do, but I have I have a different emotional connection to this team. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a part of the team, but you feel like you are, mm-hmm. you know, and you know them as people. Like I said, more than players, you see the early work. You you know, we're on a plane until 5 a.m. and they have to be back at the. You, you see all that, so you have such an emotional attachment to their success hmm. whereas I, that, that's separate of the passion that I have for my job so uh, you'll still see me excited about ACC football and the Hornets and I'm sure I'll grow into that passion with the Hornets as I you know go on in the years with them but it, it's different it's, mm-hmm. it'll always be different here sure you know mm-hmm. even if even if it were to ever I would go somewhere else and wouldn't be with the Braves I will there will always be that mm-hmm. love for him you know Charlotte's a good town I love Charlotte I don't know how good they are They've been struggling. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So so you're going right into another season, mm-hmm. right? A couple different seasons. So you're not going to get much of a break. But if you did have a break, what would your, be your go-to? What do you like to do to relax? Vacation. What, Go know, to the beach. Beach? Are you a beach? beach? You're a beach girl. Yeah, okay. but I'm a beach snob. Oh, like, okay. So it has to be like Turks and Caicos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Like Turks. I went to Turks and Caicos with the Marlins sideline reporter last All-Star mm-hmm. break. The off-season before I went – 
to Tulum with um, she was the Rays sideline reporter. Mm-hmm. All the other all the other sideline reporters we have the same schedule, so we all travel <laughs> together. Um, Virgin Islands, I love the Virgin nice. Islands. We took. You been this, to the Caymans at all? Uh, that's that's number one on my yeah. on my. Uh, realistic list. Mm-hmm. Bora Bora is like number one overall, but that's not as realistic. Okay. But Caymans were my honeymoon. That was which was there a different? Grand, was Grand Cayman? And then there's a little Cayman. Okay. So which one Grand, did you Grand say? On? Okay. But uh, yeah, it's if you like diving. So okay. it's, it looks beautiful. Yeah, there. It's, it's gorgeous. So being from Sugarland, Texas, mm-hmm. correct? So um, are you? Would you go for barbecue or would you go for sushi? Ew. So I recently like in the last like three years forced myself to start liking sushi mm-hmm. it freaked me out i would like what it tasted like and then i'd think about everything that was happening in it and i'd what like in this right now? i would have a hard time getting it down okay but i've never been a big barbecue person either because i really? like savory over sweet and barbecue so has like that like north sweetness carolina. to it well if not if you go to I north like carolina salt a lot of salt. Okay. I don't like. I don't like sweet. Like I'm not a. I don't put fruits in my salads. That's mm-hmm. sweet with not. Uh-uh, yeah. Like separation. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody the other day asked me my favorite food, and I said pizza and pasta. So mm-hmm. carbs, I guess. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, are we going with the Cowboys or the Texans? Texans. H Town. Good. That's a good yeah. answer. All right. Good well, answer. I know you're yep. close. To, I know you're like close that. to there. All right. Do you have something for her? No, I was actually just thinking about am I a beach snob, and I think I am because I won't go to Myrtle. I'll go to North Myrtle. So I think really? that's where. I'm. No, I'm just kidding. Is that uh, what, what's like the best beach that's drivable distance from here? Oh, Destin. But San Destin. That's Destin. That's so. In the off season, my family we we started taking a trip last year. Every every off season, it yeah. happened once so far. And last year, we went to Key West because we wanted my dad wanted to stay in the states mm-hmm. for just simplicity. But all of the beaches in Florida are, are cold in January and February. Like, we couldn't do 30A. We couldn't south. do Rosemary. Yeah, right. We couldn't do Destin. So, we were super yeah, limited. It was kind of like Miami, Key West. Mm-hmm. And Miami isn't a trip that you, you know, normally take yeah. with your parents. <laughs> Key West a long ways down long there. Way. Yeah. Well, and they didn't, have, they didn't have a lot of beaches there. Yeah. They always get washed away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, before we go, thank you so much for, for spending you your time with us. One last thing. We ha- we got a plug. I mean, you guys on Fox Sports are going to be throughout the postseason doing mm-hmm. post-game shows for every game. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So awesome. I'll be traveling with the team. So we'll, you know, we'll have sound from players and, mm-hmm. and sit down interviews with the players and coaches. Um, and then there, it's Chip is um, hosting it. And I think they're going to have all of the analysts involved. Paul Bird's involved. Jeff Francois involved. I mean, it's everybody's kind of like all Talking hands on deck. Talking about the watch deck. party, or yeah. Just... Well, it's going to. They're doing them from here, which yeah, is like we're, super cool. Right. We're mm-hmm. doing. We did it last year, so we yeah. did watch parties, and so we'll have alumni out there pregame, right before the game starts, and then we'll all watch it on the at the Georgia yeah. Power Pavilion. It's really cool. So I guess they're going to have the Fox guys out there doing that as yeah. well. But we did we did some of that with the Dodgers last year. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Out here in the battery, you guys will be on set out yeah. there. You'll be with the team. They'll be on set, and then watch parties. Everybody will be out in the battery watching the was game. Was it I'm slammed last year? It wasn't slammed, but it was a good crowd. A we had it was a lot of fun. I brought my family out. Like I said, we you know I brought some. We probably had three or four alumni for each mm-hmm. game. And so this year, I know we've got a couple alumni we're going to do for the third and the fourth to start of October. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Blooper was out there. You know, we all get some Antico's pizza and sit down on the ground. They're selling beer and mm-hmm. a lot of fun. When this team is primed and could make a deep run, I've they're built yeah, for it, and sure. I hope. Uh, so I hope. I hope you're selfishly. I hope you're working uh, postseason October, baseball yeah. games all the way through October. Oh yeah, so, same here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank we you really guys. appreciate it. Our thanks again to Kelsey Wingert for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Uh, that was a really fun conversation and getting to know some things. The Her getting hit with the baseball, that was scary. And to hear her, the all the things that came as a result of that, I mean, I had no idea. that. I mean, I knew about the injury, and I remember when it happened. I was here when it happened, and it was scary. But then to hear about all the after effects of it and everything, that was that – was, uh, that was, that was, Intense, I guess, would be the best word for it, you know? Yeah, anytime you're a public figure and, you know, she's has a, a huge following on, on Twitter and Instagram and, and, 
understanding how people react to her and and you know she's obviously she's in people's homes you know every single day and they get a chance to know her and and see something like that happens and and then just wonder how people are going to react and thoughts that i may not even have, have you know thought about that she might have been going through and she was able to share some of that really brings a new light to kind of what's going on and that's a that's a very dangerous place to be you think about those if you don't know it <laughs> those baseballs are hard right right, right. <laughs> and they go extremely fast and sometimes the guys on the field they'll get hit and they kind of play it off because think about it i mean they get drilled in the back they get drilled in the leg they hit a ball off there i mean uh uh oh, sh- what's his name got hit the ball off his shin <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean uh it's yeah uh, i mean he fractured his shin yeah uh, camargo yeah yeah Johan. sorry we're both just Johan. sitting here like oh, oh my gosh. goodness gracious but, i was I mean, picturing him yeah. yeah i mean charlie's getting hit in the face right. and and johan breaks i mean that it's just sometimes those guys don't play off how bad it really hurts mm-hmm. and um and then just to hear you know and i've, I've to hear her describe, you know, the anxiety from all that and right. having to go back down there to work. I mean, then, you know, it's just not a, it's just not a, a, an easy place to work and you're trying to do other things and you can't pay attention to everything that's going on. So I had no idea that that had happened. It was awesome for her to be able to share that, to gain some perspective on really um, what that's like being down there a little bit. And, and just to hear uh, what, what she's got going on next and you know, being able to, go into other sports and i think that's just a testament to how successful she's been how what a great job she's doing for us that other people are wanting her to come and and work uh during other seasons hearing her passion for the team this atlanta braves team and her passion for work i mean i think that that came through one thing that i was kind of blown away by was early on when she she mentioned first getting the job and she said she used the phrase i was undeserving Mm. and i was i kind of was like whoa that that, i mean that kind of struck me a little bit and she's like they just needed somebody and and i happened i was i'm paraphrasing now but she happened to be the one to get it But what I kind of liked about that was she, she at least whether she was deserving or not, she felt like she was undeserving. But she got it, and she immediately went to work mm-hmm. and learning how to fill in that role properly and feel like she was deserving of right. it. And my goodness, she's more than done that. I mean, oh, yeah. she's got, developed a huge following, and rightly so. I mean, fans love her because she's great at what she does, and she's always positive, always smiling, and has a good rapport with the, mm-hmm. the players and with the coaches, obviously, and that's what that, that job is all about. So, Well, she had some great things to say, and I think this is, if there's anybody out there that's listening that's thinking about getting into this industry and wondering what it takes to be prepared for this job. You know, she didn't think she was deserving, but I think she was prepared because she had worked a bunch of different jobs on the local scene in college, and she did all the things she needed to do to learn and to be prepared for a job and an opportunity like this that comes along. You know, and and we compared it to being in the minor leagues. You can't just go right to the big leagues. You can't just become a CEO of a company. You have to put in your time, and you've got to do multiple things. You got to do things that other people aren't willing to do. You got to pay the price. And, and for her, you know, she did that. And that's why she was prepared for the opportunity, whether she felt deserving or not, she was prepared. And I thought that was a great thing that she said about that. And, and she made the comment that, uh, she talks to young women all the time that they don't want to put in the time to do what she does. They just want the great job. And of course, you know, we'd all love that, but you're never going to be as good. I wasn't going to be as good a pitcher as I could be. I wouldn't have been, been ready to win a World Series or, or be on the the 93 Braves if I hadn't put my time in and I hadn't gotten released and I hadn't, you know, had multiple gut checks along the way to figure out how to be a better pitcher. Because when the opportunity arises, you hope that you're prepared, but you can't be prepared unless you put in the time and you work, you work your rear end off at doing some of the little things that that allow you to be prepared when the opportunity comes. Uh, that's absolutely right. I think that's true of. I don't want to say just our industry, but a lot of industries. Or if you're going to be successful, you got to go through the. At times, you got to just work some crappy jobs along the mm-hmm. way, especially starting out. And if it's anything even remotely related, if it's just barely related to something you want to do, if that's the only option or that's an option, 
yeah. and coming out of school, whatever it is, then you got to do it, and you'll you'll learn something from it, and it'll make you better for the next thing, yeah. and then the the next thing builds on that. And we we're blessed with so many good broadcasters uh, with this team, and we've had a lot of the TV people on. I think this off season, I'd like for us to have some of the radio people on too, because yeah. uh, they've got a, they've got a lot of great stories. There's a great group of guys there. I'm especially close with Ben Ingram and Kevin yeah. McAlpin, and they both have stories. Kevin moved away from Philly early on, worked in independent baseball for a little nice. while, which was uh, just brutally tough, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, relatively speaking, you yeah. know, but th- it was tough. You know, Ben moved out to, I think, Oregon and called games in the minors for a year, and then he was in Mississippi for, for a while calling minor league games, and then did pregame before this year. He's kind of been doing a lot of the yeah. play-by-play, so it's it takes a long time, and there's a lot of jobs you got to work along the way to get there. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's, right. it's worth it in the end. I mean, can you imagine um, where we'd be today if I had? <laughs> <laughs> I was the whole time I was talking. You had this look on your face. I'm like, he's got something he's going to say. So I want to hear. What is this? Yeah, you, you have to now. I just was saying, can you imagine where where we would be if I hadn't sit, sat in my in my bathroom and looked in front of the mirror and and try to put on my podcast voice for the last year (laughs) where would we be yeah that's it that would be thank god thank goodness for that that's we'd be nowhere so (laughs) i don't know how to recover from that now (laughs) oh my gosh no it's it's that's that's what it's all about it's hard work and being prepared and being willing to do what it takes to get to where you want to be and that's what kelsey has done yeah one and sometimes you wonder about and uh, I thought about just how many games she does. But you know what? It's You almost have to do that because if you just start all of a sudden walking to a job and say, well, okay, I'll work 10 here and I'll work 20 there, then somebody's going to come along and say, well, hey, I'll work 100. You know, I'll work 15. That just that just tells you how, you know, what kind of drive she has and how this is something that she really want to do. And if you want to advance your career, you got to put that time in. You got to put a lot of a lot of things that you might want to do on hold, vacations and like she said weddings and funerals and stuff like that that sometimes you don't have the luxury when you're starting out your career. You don't have the luxury of doing that. I mean, I missed my brother's wedding cuz I was playing ball. Right. You know, and I didn't want to do that, but I wasn't like I could just say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm going to take a week off and go home and cuz there would be another pitcher come in and say, "Well, I'll take his spot." And next thing you know, your name's Wally Pip. That's right. Right. We become in Braves country we call it he got McMichael to, you know. <laughs> you know that's, that's what right. happened. So, that's right. That's that's very true. So, well, listen, thank you all so much for for listening to Behind the Braves uh, as always and for sharing uh the, the show with your friends and spreading it on social media, word of mouth. It's very much appreciated. Uh, the show continues to grow and get better. And we've been doing this almost a year now, which is amazing to me because it just seems like yesterday we were sitting here with Tom Glavin on that couch uh, doing episode one mm-hmm. uh, and that we've, we've, already made it to a year is pretty amazing and today was kelsey we told kelsey she was 44 hank aaron she was the hank aaron she loved uh, that yeah that was great we've done 44 episodes and uh so we'll get into that a little bit more next week we're going to celebrate i think a little bit with our year anniversary it'll be perfect with the postseason getting ready to start mm-hmm. and us talking about a year behind the braves can't and all wait that. it's going to be fun so thank you to everybody out there for listening uh for greg mcmichael i'm ricky mast and we'll see you next time on behind the braves